Welcome to Happiness 2.02 podcast. I'm your host, John Tuckums, founder, author, World Government Summit participant, and Forbes featured TEDx speaker, an inquisitive human who loves root knowledge. Happiness 2.02 is a mental health show for entrepreneurs that provides the full human cognition and the full breathing oxygen tools to rapidly shift states of mind and increase energy. Podcast guests include organization founders, world-renowned executives, MDs, PhDs, and remarkable leaders who have incredible stories and are helping billions of people to find their happiness oxygen. You're listening to Happiness 2.02. This is your host, John Tuckums. You're listening to episode 21 with Victor Brick. Victor is a keynote speaker, co-founder and chief executive officer at Planet Fitness Growth Partners, is co-founder at Brick Bodies, and is the co-founder of the John W. Brick Mental Health Foundation. While you're listening to this podcast, if anything stands out to you as thought-provoking or remarkable, take a screenshot and write down what you've heard from Victor. Post the insight on social media, text the idea to a friend, or email what you've learned to a family member get this information out there. Without further ado, episode 21 of Happiness 2.02 podcast with Victor Brick. Victor, time is a finite resource. Underline everything that you do across your life, your leadership, your organizations, your speaking engagements. Why do you do what you do? Ultimately, what drives you at your core? You know, that's a, a very powerful and interesting question. And the plain fact of the matter is most people would struggle to answer that. And what drives me at my core is to make a dent in the universe, as Steve Jobs said, let's go make a dent in the universe. Uh, When I was at Washington State University in the West Coast, I'm from the East Coast, uh, I went out there to play sports. I was a track guy and I also had a girlfriend that went from D.C. out there. So I figured I was going to follow my girlfriend out there and have this great career and nothing worked out. And I, I, I hurt my knee. I ended up getting the operation from it and so i couldn't compete my girlfriend we broke up and i was really down but i didn't have enough money to come back from washington state out in seattle to dc for thanksgiving and they were closing the school down whole school so i had no place to stay and this football player invited me to go home with him and his mother took me in for a whole week treated me like a son it was one of the best experiences i've ever had and at the end of the week i tried to pay her money for the love and the, the 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 support she had showed me. And she said to me, just pass it on, child, just pass it on. Wow. And that's what I've been trying to do ever since. Just pass it on. We are all so blessed, most of us. And people like myself are tremendously blessed. And if we just try to pass it on, make the world a better place, just try to put a dent in the universe, just think how great things would be. I kind of sum it up when I when I tell people, people congratulate me all the time about things that I've done and this and that and the other thing. And the ones that know me, I tell them, all I'm trying to do is make my parents proud. Mm. And think about that. If we all just tried to make our parents proud, just think how much better this world would be. So those are some of the things that drive me. Not to mention the fact that I've been told I'm the most competitive person uh, people have ever met. I'm, I'm, I'm not that smart. I'm not that big. I'm not that strong. But yet I, I played college sports and I've got a pretty nice business. And, 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 and a lot of things have gone my way because I just outwork people. And, and, and I'm competitive. It's funny, the harder I work, the luckier I get. Yeah, absolutely amazing. Thank you so much for, for sharing. And can you, as part of this uh, amazing journey where you really, you had this, uh, you know, really this low point uh, and really having this amazing person come into your life or, you know, the football player, then also uh, just, you know, being taken into this house and having this 
amazing knowledge. There's not only the experience of, uh, of staying in this person's place, but this, you know, incredible knowledge that was passed along to you uh, and really, you know, pass it along. Uh, was there any other moments in time uh, early on in middle school or high school that you really started to sense that? And then this other experience, um, you know, with, uh, you know, staying in someone else's house that really kind of made it click. Was there an earlier experience in your life? Well, you know, different people find their path differently. And there's a saying, each each person must find his own path and then follow. Mm. I was going to be a PE teacher and basketball coach. I thought I'd just be happy with my weekends off and the summer off. And here I'm only working half days. It doesn't matter whether it's the first 12 hours or the second, which is the life of an entrepreneur. And and so the, the, the important thing is to know yourself and to keep searching and not settle. And there are so many, Yogi Berra, the baseball player, is known for making stupid statements that appear to be uh, uh, nonsense. And one of them is, uh, but yet there's so much wisdom in what he says when you stop to think about what he actually said. And what he says is when you come to a fork in the road, take it. And obviously you're going, if you come to a fork in the road, you're gonna take it. The question becomes which path you take. And here's the thing about his statement. Many people don't realize that they take a fork in the road of their life by default. They see this path over here where they could borrow some money, put their house at risk and their life savings and chase their dream, or they could stay with that recreation director job and have their wife keep with that nursing position and have that nice little job in Baltimore. And if you don't put everything at risk and take that fork in the road to the right, you automatically take the road to the left. And I've had many of those roads, and I just described to you the one that I had. I was just potting around, working as a recreation director, literally working two hours a day. Lynn was working as a nurse, shock trauma nurse, 12 hours a day. I was teaching tennis. I was coaching basketball like I wanted to do. Man, I had the life of Riley. And then I started teaching some aerobic classes in a health club to make ends meet. I was terrible at it. I taught my first class to, are you going to Scarborough Fair? That shows you how bad I was, Simon and Garfunkel. But my wife was a dancer. So I figured, heck, she's only working 12 midnight to 12 noon. She's let her sleep a couple hours and we'll go over to this health club and she could teach aerobics. And that's what we did. And the class that I had with 12 people became 30. And I said to myself, my God, this woman's something else. Let's make a little business. And I started this little aerobic business called Body Reflections Total Fitness. I started it with a, another woman from the class. And, and we built up this business up to, we must have had three, 400 people, mostly women, paying us $30, wow. $40 a month to take court classes in aerobic, in, in, in racquetball course, because racquetball had become a, started to decrease, so they needed to fill those spaces. And we would rent racquetball court space around Baltimore. And lo and behold, my wife went and got pregnant. Oh, my gosh, what happened? (laughs) (laughs) She says one of my buddies came to visit me. And (laughs) anyway, it's a long, it's probably true. But the point is that now she can't teach 20 hours a week. 20 hours a week. She was teaching 20 hours a week and working as a nurse at Shock Trauma. And here I was working two hours a day and stuffing flyers under windshield wipers and in mailboxes to promote this aerobic program. And I'd hire my aerobic friend, my my my, uh, rec, my rec center kids, because I was a recreation director, and they ride around on their bikes and promote this program. And yeah. we got to that fork in the road. 
She takes maternity leave. Business goes away. I keep with a recreation director job. And when she comes back, we, we go about our business or we get serious. We chase this thing that we love called fitness. There's only one way to get into it full time, really. That's own your own place. Not one way, but the best way. So when you really need money, when you're a young kid, just newly married, and you need money, who are you going to go to to borrow that money? Yep. Who do you always go to? You go, go to, to your parents. parents. Go to your parents. Dad, I need 125000 bucks. He looks at my mother. Mom, what should we do? She looks at him with that scowl that she gives. And he gave me the check on the spot. And that's how we got into the business. I wish I could say we had this grand plan. We didn't. And when we got into it, the first week in, it was so upside down, this health club we bought, we bought a health club that we had been teaching aerobic classes in, by yep. the way, in one of the rack courses. It was so upside down that we would cry ourselves to sleep at night. Mm. And after the second week, because, see, they told us that we were billing $28,000 a month. Well, we were billing $28,000 a month for membership, but we were only collecting eighteen. dollars So right off the bat, we're $10,000 a month uh. behind. And here's this young kid with no money, $10,000 is a fortune. And so the second week, now remember, my wife's pregnant. She can't teach. I've never run a business before in my life. I've got no money. My dad's given me what he can, but that's about it. And he's, a, he's in D.C. and I'm in Baltimore by now. It got so bad that I called. This is probably, now that I think about it, it's funny when you ask these questions, you know, they sometimes stimulate memories. This could have been the, 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 the conversation that turned my business life around. Mm-hmm. I called up the owner previous owner of the health club, a guy named Clark McKenzie, who was the guy that sold me the club. And I said, Clark, business isn't what you said it was. You said we'd get 28,000 and we're only getting 18 a month and it's a lot harder. And I was praying, blah, 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 blah. Is there any chance you would take the club back? Now I'm in this little office on my phone. I'm calling him. He's this big real estate guy mm-hmm. on the phone. He goes, Victor, I'll take the club back. But I thought you had more guts than that. And I'm telling you, woe is right. I just moved them. If you could see me, if we were on Zoom, you could see what I'm doing. If I took that phone and I just held it at arm's length and I said, you baby, you coward. And I brought it back and I said, you know, Clark, that's okay. I I think we got it covered. And we don't have the time to go into what I did to make it work, but suffice it to say that I went from being an impossibility thinker to a possibility thinker. And in short, I am such a big believer of the law of attraction. Once I went from an impossibility thinker to a possibility thinker, we're $10,000 a month behind. We're $50 a month per membership. That means we need 200 memberships. I came up with a plan to run an open house. Americans love parties. Uh, Everybody loves a party. We're going to have an open house and sell discounted memberships. And in two days, guess how many memberships I sold? 205. I put my mind, if I'd have said 300, I'd have probably said made 300. I can (laughs) tell you time and time again, when I put my mind to something and believed in it and made it happen, that's the difference. See, a lot of guys, they see their ship going by. And you know what they never do? They don't swim out to get it. Yep. That the Vikings have a saying that it's safest next to shore. But that's not what a ship was built for. 
And these guys in an open boat went across the Atlantic and discovered America. Forget Columbus. It was the Vikings. You got to swim. So I, I put my mind to it. We need a 200 members. But I didn't sit in that little office on my hands. I came up with a plan. I remember vividly going out to the deck of the entrance there, and there were steps down to the parking lot. And all these people were coming into this club after I just had that conversation with Clark. And they're saying, hey, Vic, how you doing? They're all happy. And I'm thinking, don't these people know I'm going to die? Don't these people know that I'm going to go into debtor's prison and never come out? Yeah. And then I said to myself, then I said to myself, you know, they're happy. I might as well be happy, too. And this is another lesson from that. You choose your attitude. In this twinkle of an eye, I went from a wimp, a coward, a sniveling little baby to a hero, to a champion, to a warrior. And I said to myself, they ran me out of Washington State. When I went out there, I was going to be this big track star, and I couldn't compete with those guys. And I I, I failed. And I said, they ran me out of Washington State. They are not going to run me out of this club. They're going to have to carry me out of here dead. Yeah. And in this twinkle of an eye, I became a warrior. Yeah. And that's how it is, man. You you got to choose your attitude. I'm telling you, there were times you talk about a roller coaster. Is this the biggest roller coaster of of everyone's life? One day, the 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 the, the, the uh, curve is reversed and they're opening up restaurants and health clubs. And the next day they're closing everything. You talk about a roller coaster. I've made and lost millions of dollars between yep. 9 a.m. and 6 p.m., literally. And I'm not talking on paper. I'm talking about real money. And you just have to keep saying, last man standing, last man standing. You you talk about positive self-talk. Everybody thinks these guys that have built these big businesses and these empires and everything else they 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 never had doubt are you kidding they're human yep they've had the same doubt everybody else franklin delano roosevelt people talk about about overcoming adversity and you know the the big movement now with the ada and and handicapped this guy polio and was the president of the united states the army won his first election he didn't let anybody know he had polio he used to talk from the back of trains and he would hold on to the rail nobody would see him in a wheelchair Hmm. but the point is you watch the movie. There's a movie called, uh, I can't remember if it's FDR or if it's about Eleanor. It's about one of the two. But in the movie, FDR says to Eleanor Roosevelt, I'm afraid of losing. Because he was running for an election. And she said, well, then don't. <laughs> well, then don't. And that's what you got to do. I'm not going to fail. I am not going to fail. And when you put your mind to something, it is just amazing what can happen. So I've kind of rambled on from a question that, quite frankly, I didn't know if, 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 what, what that was. But that yeah. conversation, as you can tell, changed things in my life and made me a warrior. And I've been a warrior ever since. Yeah. Thank you tremendously for sharing. Absolutely amazing. I'd love to ask uh, just a little bit further. Um, you talked about uh, uh, you know, making your, your parents proud. And it's such a, a powerful uh, force because they were so involved early on as you were taking, making that decision in the fork in the road, you know, which you could have taken the right path and, you know, right versus left path. Could you just share a little bit about uh, kind of their influence on you and really their trust in you? I'd love to hear just a little bit about that. Uh, if you could share with the audience, because I think it's an important part of your life. Well, a lot of people don't, if you don't know me, I am half Filipino. My mother's from the Philippines, my dad 
U.S. Army. After the Battle of Manila, met my mother. I could tell you the most beautiful love story. Mm. Sat lasted 67 years, and I'm literally tearing up just thinking yeah. about it. Yeah. Because yeah. most of my parents are gone. But the point yeah. is this. They've always been the biggest influence in my life. They've been my heroes. And, and you always want to live up to your hero. And I am convinced that one of the problems today is the lack of parent parenting in, in, in so many homes and the lack of parenting influence. And they did it the way you should lead your life, and that is by example. Mm. You should be a light for people, not uh, with a whip and not with, uh, with force. You be a light. And my parents were just the most hardworking, loving, upright people, but yet stern. I mean, you know, my dad was German. I don't want to go into the disciplinary thing, but Germans, <laughs> they don't spare the rod, I can tell you. But they made us men. They made us men. And, and when, when uh, my, my, my mother, of course, had to overcome adversity and, and, and racism, prejudice, because remember, this is right after World War II. Yep. Guess where we grew up? Pearl Harbor. <laughs> oh, wow. What happened yeah. Pearl Harbor? We got bombed by the Japanese. And anybody that even looked Asian was Japanese to the, to the, yep. the Howleys. And, uh, and, uh, and which is, the, of course, the whites in, in Hawaii. So, you know, it, it was not an easy time. And, and you, 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 you prove them wrong. You prove them wrong. You prove that you're as good. One of the things that that has driven me is to prove myself that I'm as good as anybody. And I do it not by, by destroying things, but by, by being, by accomplishing things. I, it drove me in athletics. It drove me in academics and it drove me in business. But to give you an example of my father and his influence on me, one, they gave me the money to start the business, but two, remember that, that, that dark period when I didn't know how to make that money. And, and I figured God, I'm going to keep the business. We're going to make it work. Who's the first person I called my father? I'm in Baltimore. He's in D.C. He drives up. He walked into that club. It was as if the cavalry had showed up. Mm. And so I said, Dad, we're living 10000 bucks a month. What are we going to do? And without batting an eye, he just said, Victor, we're just going to work a little harder. Wow. And that's what I've been doing ever since. And it was things like that. He was a man of few words. Let me give you another example. He, you know how you ask your Parents, all kinds of questions. Who's better, Wilt Chamberlain or Bill Russell? And who can win in a fight, a dog or a lion? And he would always have the same answer. That depends. And I would get so frustrated. But do you think about it? Everything depends. Let's take that silly little question of who could win in a fight, a dog or a lion. Obviously the lion. What if the lion's two weeks old and the dog's a pit bull? (laughs) That's just an example. So my point is in all things in life, there's more to the situation than black. Almost nothing is black and white. And that was the point he was trying to get across to me. And it took me till adulthood to understand that. And that is look at things from all sides, be open-minded, and don't and, and nothing is is black and white. Nobody is all bad. Nobody is all good. Not everything worked out the way you said it, think it would, but not everything worked out the way you didn't think it would. And my mother, she taught me love. My brother, John, and my oldest and my youngest brother had mental health problems. My youngest brother's still alive. My oldest brother's past. He's the one that John W. Brook Mental Health Foundation is named after. And I'm convinced that both of them 
experienced the, 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 a lot of the, the especially with my brother John being the oldest, a lot of the the, the uh, stress or, or the, the, the bigotry and the, the racism yep. against against Asians helped to break that poor guy. But she loved them as much as she loved us, the, the middle three that are all very successful. Mm-hmm. And I'll never forget, she, uh, my dad passed first, and he passed in, in the house that he had built in Florida, in the room that he had built, the bedroom that he had built for himself. And my, my brother was taking care of him as he was leaving my dad. Uh, and then one, one morning after my dad had just come out of a bad bout in the hospital, we thought he was going to pass in the hospital, but he always said he wanted to pass at home. Sure enough, there he was at home doing great. My brother went into him one morning and as he was leaving, my father called out after him, Meryl, make sure you take care of your mother. Mm. And my brother went to the kitchen, came back and my dad had passed. Mm. So my mother hangs on for six months and uh, then she goes into a coma and she's, you know, hospital bed in the living room, 10 feet from where my dad passed. And she, you could see that she was emotionally troubled, just the looks on her face. And she, she couldn't, you, you could tell that she could hear us, but we weren't sure what she could hear. And it finally got to where we knew it was time for her to go. And we brought my brother, Bob into the room, my brother, Marilyn, my brother, uh, and, and I brought my brother, Bob, the one that has mental health issues into the room. And we said, Bob, Will you please tell mom that it's all right for her to go Mm. because we will take care of you. And he said, mom, it's okay. Vic and Meryl will take care. She was gone within a half hour. She was holding on because she was concerned who would take care of my brother, who by the way, lived in the house with my parents. And, And that's why that's just an example of a mother's love for a child. And, and you know, I am a Christian. I'm, I'm religious and, you know, the verse that says, uh, faith, hope, and love, mm-hmm. yeah, these three abide, but the greatest of these is love. And love is the most powerful force in the world. It is the only thing that can drive out hate, by the way. The only thing that can drive out hate is love. And, and there's nothing that I think can rival the love between a mother and her son. And I was that son that was blessed. And she would always say to me, to others, she would like, she'd get into Issues with what to do with my brother, John, put him in the hospital, keep him at home. What to do with this, what to do. And she would always say, wait till Vic comes, he will take mm-hmm. care of it. Yeah. And when your mother puts that kind of faith and confidence in you, you need to deliver. I could never let her down. I always, always delivered what my mother wanted me to do. The only, well, I, I yeah, there were some things that, that we, we all have regrets, but, yep. but there were some things that little things that I wish I wish I had done. But for the most part, I, I, I became the boy that she, the man that she thought I could. And, and that's a hell of a thing to say. Think yep. about that. How many people can say I became the man my parents hoped I would? And I did it because of their example and their motivation. And to this day, they, they, they motivate. And that's absolutely beautiful. And on so many different levels and that, and really having that light, you know, you talked about that light, which is so critically important for children. You know, life has its ups and downs. It's not perfect, but to have that light, that true North that you could look to your parents that really to provide that direction in your life 
uh, when things were not working out perfectly and to be there for you, that, that love, that consistency, and just absolutely amazing, the, the beauty, the relationship with your family. Here's the problem there. Too many people don't have that, so they fill it. Somebody else fills that, and that person that's filling it is filling it with bad things. And they do not have that example. And quite frankly, you need that example in business. My father was a, a hard worker and very talented, but he was coming out of World War II. He went with the government and was a career government worker, Corps of Engineers, and then, then um, different, different positions. He could not be my mentor as an entrepreneur. I had to yeah. get mentors as entrepreneurs for that true light as an entrepreneur. In terms of values, it's my parents, but in terms of business, one of the things I recommend to anybody that wants to succeed, you get yourself a mentor, a mastermind group, and you get yourself a mentor. And I'm in a mastermind group of, of 12 fitness health club owners. When we started, the largest guy in the group had 20 clubs. Mm. Today, today, three of the members of the group are three of the seven largest health club chains in the world. And I could be included if you took in all of Planet Fitness, which of course is a bunch of other franchisees, but I'm associated with them. But those three, each one of them has at least 600 clubs and two of them are going on a wow. thousand clubs. Think wow. about that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is in 20 years. In 20 years, they've gone from 20 clubs to a thousand clubs. One is public and the other two are considering, and they're both, all three are international. So that's the power of a mastermind group. And I think I'm doing well. I went from two clubs to 75. Every time we meet, you know what I say to myself? I'm nothing. And remember what I said, how competitive I am. It yep. humbles me and it makes you work harder. It makes you keep your, your nose to the grindstone. And of course, you become better. It's, you, you can play tennis at a club where you can beat everybody. And you'll never get any better. You can go and play tennis at a club where you're middle of the pack. And before you know it, you'll become a pretty good player. Yeah, I love that. Absolutely. And, and thank you so much for sharing that. Because that's, and really those those two components, which they're so important because uh, is providing balance on, on one aspect of your life, which is kind of your core values. And then also that other piece, uh, which you're working associating yourself with people that, um, you know, that are inspiring you to take yourself to the next level and also providing like core knowledge, which is so important to, to get ahead in business. I'd love to find out a little bit more about uh, some of the experiences that uh, uh, you know, get you into kind of pinnacle states or flow states or what some people call experiencing flow. Uh, you've had this amazing journey where you really found these next levels. You talked about that warrior. What are some of the circumstances or experiences that really get you to those, those states? Well, here's one of the, you know, first, everything I'm saying, nothing's me. Nothing. I'm not Buddha. I'm not Jesus Christ. I don't come up with my own stuff. I am a, I'm committed to Kaizen. Kaizen yeah. is Japanese for constant, never-ending improvement. I am considered, con committed to learning, and I, I am smart enough to know that I'm not the smartest guy in the room. Yep. And if you're the smartest guy in the room, you're in the wrong room. So get out of that room and get yourself in a mastermind group. But more importantly, know yourself. And most people are unaware. They're unaware. They're unaware. Sounds like a stupid statement, but it's think about it. They're unaware that they don't know that they don't know. In other words, they don't know what they don't know. 
I understood what I didn't know. And what I didn't know was myself. So I started analyzing myself way back with that one club I talked about in that one little office and trying to make things happen. And I realized that I was at my best. I could keep an open day, totally open, and get into flow state Uh and get other people to do, to implement. That's the difference between a strategist and a tactician. It's the difference between Eisenhower and Patton in World War II. So... I realized, hey, I can't afford to put people on and do all this stuff, but I can't not to. So I put people on when I couldn't afford it, and they got me to the 75 clubs. And over the time, I did, I, I went from kind of self-analyzing myself to trying to figure out scientifically who I am. So I took personality profiles like we all do. But I got into what's called feng shui. And if you don't know what feng shui is, it's management of energy in the space. Yep. And I had my feng shui chart done. And sure enough, everything that I thought was true. I'm a, uh, I'm a connect, not, I'm not a connector. I forget what the term is, but I'm the one that makes things happen. And then I'm supposed to let them go. I need to keep large blocks of time available in a day. And if I do, I get energized, I get creative, and I become effective. If I don't, I get worn down. And sure enough, my wife is the, is different. She's an energizer buddy. She can run meetings. Well, I told you, she literally, I wasn't joking. She would teach, go to, she would be a shop from nurse from 12 midnight to 12 noon, sleep four hours and go and teach a class. And you know why she could do, you know why she could do that? Because in in the class, she was in front of 30 people, and it would yep. fire her up. And in nursing, she's buzzing around, saving lives, work with doctors, interacting. It would fire her up. Mm. Those things all drain me. That's the difference between an introvert and an extrovert. People don't understand. Introvert doesn't mean you're shy and you can't uh, interact with people. I can get up in front of 5,000 people and, and, and get everybody so fired up they run out of the hallway and start doing push-ups. But it drains me. Introverts get their energy from within. They need to recharge. And extroverts get it from the, 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 the universe. They, they get it from outside and it gets them, gets them more fired up. So once I understood myself from the feng shui perspective, I began to plan my day accordingly. And people say, well, it's easy for you. You're your boss. People, I started out as a part-time PE teacher. I created this life. It didn't just happen. I wanted a life where I could tell people, go, come, meet, meet me there, beat me there, and have that open time to myself, not to watch kites and, 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 and body surfing, but to think, yep. to create, to make things happen, to build something. And I think I've done a pretty good job of building something. I affect 700,000 people a year in fitness and and that's a positive thing i'm not selling ice cream you know fat fat, fatty ice cream and i love ice cream but let's face it it's health hazard and i'm not selling cigarettes or trying to sell them clothing they don't need i'm selling them fitness yeah so the point is that you need to know what kind of person you are and what your personality is and it's basically your energy your feng shui your chi Understand your chi and build your day accordingly. I tell everybody, I don't, 
I almost never start a meeting before 10. And I tell people, don't contact me unless it's an emergency before nine or after seven. There are entrepreneurs that, and I, you know what I tell them? And I will do the same. I can't expect you not to contact me if I'm going to be contacting you. So I try to conduct business during normal working hours so that people can have their own lives, but also so they can have periods of their day where they know they can have, quote, quiet time. You know, a lot of people think this is get this gets back to that depends concept of my dad. A lot of people think everybody needs the same amount of quiet time and everybody can 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 get the same thing out of meditation and everything. Some people meditation might actually be counterproductive depending on how you do it. Some people, the best thing they might do is go to a coffee shop and interact with their 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 neighbors and their friends because it, it, it soothes their soul to me. I uh, always thought of myself as special because my mother made me feel that way. Mm. She would always say, Victor, you were made for greatness. And she would always tell me stories about being a thinker and how she would take me to the grocery store in in Pearl Harbor and tell me to go talk to the minor birds. And she would go shop for an hour and a half and I'd sit there and talk to the minor birds. (laughs) I'd be having a conversation (laughs) with the birds. But anyway, anyway, so I'm seeing all these guys making all this money in the stock market. And here I am with one crappy little club doing nothing. And I'm thinking if I had money and I could make a killing too. So I took all the money out of the club that I got the first of the month, the billing that it was supposed to pay the bills for the whole month, a million bucks. The club did a million a month. Mm-hmm. And, uh, but I had to pay the bills throughout the course of the month. So I took that money and I threw it into the stock market, figuring I'd have two weeks to double it and then put it back in and I could pay the bills. And of course, the only way to double it is in a high risk venture. So I put it in futures, which of course is the highest risk investment you can make. And it was either 2002 or 97, I forget what it was, but it was the big dot-com crash. And I lost every penny in wow. Yeah. I remember frantically trying to sell the stock in my car in front of a gym where my daughter was playing basketball. She was a very good basketball player and she was in there with a coach working on a game. And here I'm in a car trying to sell the stock, and I lost a million bucks in a half hour that I didn't have. Yeah. And so now I got to hide out from all the debtors. So I got that's how I got into going to Starbucks. I go to Starbucks. This was even before cell phones. I didn't even have a cell phone. And I go and hang in the back. And what I found was that because I wasn't in my office, I was in Starbucks in the back, nobody would bother me. I could think. It wasn't just the debtors mm-hmm. I got away from. It wasn't just the electric company and the the construction guy that came by for his check and the water bottle guy that came by for his check and everybody else. It was everybody. And all of a sudden I realized, God, this is great. To this day, I go to Starbucks and I think, and and I get a lot done and and, and it's, it just gets me ready for today. Today, every day, I'm, I'm down on Miami beach. I live in Miami beach now. I get up, I do uh, Wim Hof breathing. Are you familiar with Wim Hof? Yes. The Iceman, so I do his breathing, and I'm, I, I hold my breath regularly over three minutes. My brother can do four and a half. I don't know how the hell. <laughs> He's a sprinter. I'm a distance guy. He can do four and a half, and I can only do like three and a half. It pisses me off. i got to get up to four minutes. That's pretty impressive. <laughs> what you think? Holding your breath for three and a half yeah, minutes? Yeah, three and a half minutes is a lot. I know that it is. It's a lot. And, and what you're doing is, is a whole series of techniques to do it, but what you're doing is you're, you're forcing the exchange of oxygen at the cellular lower level. So yep. you're, you're reducing swelling and cre- increase, increasing yeah. circulation. It's a phenomenal. But then I go out to the beach and I do my tapping and I do my Qigong. Yep. And, and, and the Qigong is a form of, uh, of, of Tai Chi. It's probably the closest uh, martial arts discipline to it. 
and you get in that flow state. And then after that, I hang. I hang at Starbucks. I hang at the beach or I hang in my condo and I move pieces around on a chessboard. That's mm-hmm. what I was put here on the world to do, move pieces around on the chessboard. And here's the key to that. You better make daggone sure that those pieces are good pieces. And I'm yep. talking about people. You yep. had better. That's the one thing. And, you know, I know this is a, a lot of philosophy and Victor life according to Victor Brick, but a lot of it's sound business sense that I learned from others. And the one thing I learned is hire good people, not good, great people, and build the business to the people. Do not build the people to the business. Do not say, I tried to build one brand and make it a regional powerhouse. And I did it by rewarding my loyal staff and promoting them as we grew. And I went from one club to seven clubs in 20 years. Mm-hmm. And then I built another brand where I brought in investors. I hired people that, quite frankly, couldn't afford. But because I had the investors, we had the capital. And I grew the business to that that group of people. And we went in 12 years, we went from zero clubs to 70. So the one, 20 years to seven. The other, 10 years to 70. So, so if you're going to be a Victor Brick, and when I say Victor Brick, I'm not pat myself on the back, but I'm talking about a strategist and you're going to, to be moving the pieces on the chessboard. You make sure you have the right people in place. You know, I'm a big basketball guy. And and they asked John Wooden, you know, John Wooden, the UCLA coach, and it's sad that many people have forgotten, but he won 10 NCAA championships. The next closest guy has won five and that's Krzyzewski at Duke. So he's won twice as many as Krzyzewski. They asked him who were the best coaches he coached against. And he said, why the ones with the best players, of course. Get good players. Uh, (laughs) The the, uh, Patriots win because they had good players. The Yankees used to win because they had the best players. Get the best players. That's an advice that I can give people. Make sure you get the best players. Yeah. So many amazing ideas that you talked about and that importance of really understanding your energy, whether you're an introvert, these are labels, you know, everybody, you know, they're not, they don't fit perfectly in any bucket, but really understanding your energy that you're, if you're with people and energized, if you're, you know, if you energize in the space, incredibly important. Thank you so much for sharing that with the audience. And also that piece in terms of the players on the field, you know, and in the basketball game or in the company, so critically important. And I would love to you to share too as well. Sometimes it's hard to put into words, but, um, you know, what it feels like for you that you get into these flow states in terms of breathing and in terms of creativity uh, when you're in that state, you know, kind of uh, you've teed up your days to getting your, your energy, that optimal spot. Can you just describe that or try to put into words? And sometimes it's hard to do. I sure will. And, and as usual, you ask a question, I'm going to take it 10 different directions. It's yeah. like my mother said, you're a thinker. I'm a thinker. That everyone here should Watch the commencement exercise of Admiral McRaven to the University of Texas, the commencement speech at grand graduation. Have you ever heard it? I have not heard it. You've got to watch it. Admiral McRaven was the commander of the Navy SEALs. Mm. This is probably the most sophisticated, well-trained fighting force in the world. 
And he was a graduate of the University of Texas, so he gives the commencement speech. And he said, these are the 10 lessons I learned from the Navy speech, from the Navy. And he was a Navy SEAL, obviously, as well. He said, these are the 10 lessons I learned being a SEAL. Do you know what the first one he said was? Make your bed. Every morning, make your bed. Do you know why I do all this stuff first thing every morning? One, it's an anchor. You make your bed, it's an anchor. Two, you make your bed, it gives, gives you a little control that you have a little control over your day. All of these things I told you I do shows me I have a little control over my day. Mm -hmm. The third thing is it gives you peace of mind. You know, whether you realize or not, when you have a messy work environment, it messes with your head. When I do all of these things, I have peace of mind. You know why? I've done something positive for myself. So when you kind of get that going early, get that over with early, you are so much more capable of proceeding without any baggage. People talk about baggage in their life and they think it's all these cataclysmic events. And, and, and they are, of course, you know, you, your, your father was an alcoholic, whatever, that's baggage. But you have baggage every day. And when I don't do these things, I feel a little bit out of sorts. I feel it's almost like, have you ever not been, have, have been able to brush your teeth in the morning? Yeah. You, can't, you can't tell me that it doesn't bother you. You can't tell me that you're not a little self-conscious through the rest of the day. It's, like, you know, you know, it, it's just one of those things. So this has become a habit. These things have to become a habit. And they get me grounded. And I feel good about myself. And I can say to myself, no matter what happens, I've had a good day. I've got the big five. In the, in, 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 if you ever go to safari in Africa, they'll tell you, see the big five. The big five are the elephant, the lion, the leopard, the rhinoceros, and the cape buffalo. Believe it or not, the hippo, hippo's not in there. I don't know why, but I think it's because they're so common. But anyway, those are the big five. For me, the big five are breathing, cold showers, because that's part of the Wim Hof experience, and I take that every day. And sometimes I get night ice baths. She gone, working out, and then infrared sauna. And I do the three in the morning, and then the working out and the infrared sauna I do later in the day. And I've put an infrared sauna in my home in Baltimore. And I put an infrared sauna in my condo here in Miami. And I literally infrared sauna almost every day. And I could go into all the benefits of the infrared sauna, but I am a big one. There is one of my favorite po poets is Dylan Thomas, and his most fav famous poem is Do Not Go Gentle. And the last, the, the classic reframe is, and you their father, he's talking to his father who's on his yep. deathbed. And he says, and you their father there on your sad height, do not go gentle into that good night. Mm. Rage, rage against the dying of the light. And I am going to rage against the dying of the light. I'm 67 years old. And I am going to rage against the dying of the light until the very end. I'm going to rage against the dying of the light in my business until the very end. I'm going to rage against the dying of the light with my foundation and anything else, thing, anything else I undertake. And like I said to myself, on, that, on those steps in front of my gym that day in September, they're going to have to carry me out of here. And yeah. too many people... They become victims of their day instead of taking control of your day. Carpe diem, you know what that means, seize the day. People say it all the time, but how many people do? 
seize the day, seize your life, create the life you want to live and make others conform to you. Do not conform to that. Yeah, absolutely amazing. Thank you so much for sharing that. I'd love to find out more. You kind of touched upon it just a little bit there, uh, a little bit more about uh, your foundation. Can you share with the audience a little bit more about your foundation? Again, getting back to some of the things that I said earlier, you want to, everyone should get to know themselves and should really think what they want their legacy to be. And for some people, their legacy might only be for their family or for their dearest friends or for whoever. And it might just be that you were a good and faithful husband or you were a, a you know, good provider or just a great, great friend. I mean, those are all great ambitions. I mean, how many people could, could, could say that <laughs> my uh, dent, my, my, my legacy, I, I want to put a dent in the universe. I want to leave it a better place than, than I found it. I think everybody does. And, and I don't want to disparage what other people might want to say, but, but I want to do that in the field of mental health because I have seen the destruction mental health does to an, to an individual and to a family and not once, but twice. And you talk about police brutality. My brother was beaten to my younger brother was beaten to within an inch of his life because he ran wow. a police cruiser with a car and almost killed a policeman with a table there. And his buddies did like that. <laughs> and, and so you know, I've seen more inside of mental hospitals than I care to care to think and recite. And I, my brother's been homeless. My older brothers, I found my oldest brother on the wall of, of DuPont Circle in D.C. in the middle of summer wearing nothing but, but a pair of jeans, no shirt, no shoes, no socks, mm. no nothing. And he'd been missing from Florida, where my parents lived for two, three weeks. So he'd been on the street for three weeks. Yep. So I know how destructive all these things are. All these homeless people you're seeing now, this proliferation of homeless people in the United States, I'm mean, sure you're aware of it. Most of them are my brother. Most of them have mental health issues. Yeah. You see somebody pissing on the street or yelling and screaming or cussing around, you know that's his biggest problem? He's off his meds. He's off his medication. But this is the way that we see mental health with the John W. Brick. See, see I've seen it all. I mean, I, 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 I grew up with two. And I know that there's a better way than the way yep. to treat my brother. There's there's a better way than just medicating these guys and sticking them into a corner. And then when they get lucid enough and, and they get sedate enough that they're no longer a danger, quote, a danger to themselves or others, sending them back to their, their families. I know there's a better way because we see mental health, not mental illness. Too many people, they'll see somebody like my brother or see somebody like an autistic person, which is, really more of a physical ailment than a mental health issue, but they'll see somebody disadvantaged and they'll think, man, that's a shame. And what they don't realize is that it could be them tomorrow. Yep. That's how quickly mental health can flip because we see, you don't develop cancer in 24 hours. You can't go from healthy to, to you can go that way in mental health. And I'll give you an example. We see mental health as a continuum with happiness at one end, let's call it a 10, and as you move down this continuum to the four, it's the sixes, fives, and fours, you get into mild depression and anxiety, concern about COVID, concern about your finances. And as you keep going down the continuum to ones, twos, and threes, you get into clinically diagnosed forms of mental illness like schizophrenia, like psychosis, like bipolar, and at the far end is death. Mm-hmm. 
and you can move up and down that continuum depending on life's circumstances. You can be a nine or a 10 and get word your son died in a car accident and you'll be a two within seconds. Yep. And if you don't watch it, that two can become a one and you're jumping off the Golden Gate Bridge. Yep. You, you can move down that continuum and get stuck at that far end. And it doesn't even have to be something as, as acute as what I said. Let's take yep. your business is failing. And for a while, you're keeping up Zikorage and then you're get to be a five or six or seven and you're kind of depressed and it just keeps going. And then they, then they lock you out. Your landlord locks you out and you, you have a mental breakdown. You probably know people that that's happened to. Yep. So, so how do you, how do you deal with this? You, you can't just medicate everybody. Guys like you and I, we, we don't need medication at the moment, I hope. And what happens when you get medication? Here's how the body works. And I remember I'm a fitness guy and see all everything I'm going to tell you was accumulated through years of research and of being in the health and fitness field and how closely related it is to the medical field and to the mental health field. Mm. As I said, you move up and down the continuum depending on your genetics and your epigenetics. Epigenetics is your life events, basically. So it's nature and nurture. And when you're at the far end, the high end of the continuum, healthy lifestyle interventions have a great effect. Changing your diet, stop smoking, reduce alcohol contact, start to exercise, sociability, reaching out to friends, all of those things can turn depression into a positive thought, just calling a buddy. And if that buddy knows what he's doing, he can help you. When you get into the middle, now maybe you start needing professional assistance with, oh, with, revert, with, with reversing the trend. Once you get down to the ones, twos, and threes, you need medication. Yep. So it's, it's, it's intertwined. Those guys on the street, they're all down at one, twos, or threes. Telling them to jog ain't going to do a damn thing for them. You got to get them on nothing, lithium and uh, Haldol and all the, the drugs my brother was on. But but if you have a total program, some program I just explained to you, if everybody did the big five, yeah. and, and then maybe you can't get an infrared sauna as often, but they are available. But certainly you can do the meditation and the breathing and all that. And, and, and the point is nobody advocates that in the medical field. Um, mm-hmm. I go to the hospitals, the same hospitals where I would go to visit my brother, John. And look through that little window in that room of isolation and see him in a straitjacket, wrapped in wet towels, to wow. him down, strapped to a to a gurney. And I go in there. They no longer restrain him. I, 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 they no longer have those padded rooms that you made so famous by the movies. But nothing else has changed. The activity is mm-hmm. pretty much the same. Yeah. Old fitness centers. One of the things that. That I'm going to do with the Planet Fitness is inner is connect Planet Fitness with mental health field and start putting exercise facilities in mental health hospitals. Uh, here's wow! The here's the problem: they don't dedicate any space. Mm-hmm. I, gave, I gave equipment to a mental health hospital recently, and they had this big bathroom. And they put it in what was a, a, a patient room, and this bathroom was jutting out right into the middle of the room. I said, "Look, we'll pay 
to remove this bathroom so you can get another treadmill in here. And they said, no, we got to keep the bathroom just in case we need to use the room again, which says to me they haven't fully committed to the exercise component as a treatment. And here's the funny thing, not funny, haha, but sad. A year later, they say, now, remember that room I explained to you about my brother? This is that hospital. They still put people in that room. They just don't put wet towels around them and they don't strap them down, but they still put them in there and they're isolated and they got the padded walls. They said that the use of a, quote, isolation room has decreased 90 percent since we put that little fitness center in. Wow. 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 So that is the mission of the John W. Brick Mental Health Foundation is to change the way the world treats mental health. How are we going to do that? By funding and promoting evidence-based research on how healthy lifestyle choices like exercise, nutrition, and mind-body experiences benefit mental health. So we're doing a, a, a landmark study right now with the University of California, San Francisco, Testing, and and it's not just one of these tests where you put people on an exercise program and then you ask them how they feel after after six weeks. What's every one of them going to say? What are they going to say? I feel worse? They're all going to say they feel better. So what? If you told them to to, read the paper and tell tell me how you feel, they're going to say the same thing every day. So what we've done is we're testing the vagus nerve. And the vagus nerve is is, the body, it it, uh, indicates the body's response to stress because mental health is directly related to stress. So the quicker the vagus nerve recovers, the more resilient you are. That's a catchword, by the way, if you don't know these days, resilient. Yep. I'm a big one for not fully quarantining people, wearing masks, social distancing, but not fully quarantining because you reduce resiliency instead of increasing resiliency. I'm more of an advocate of the way Japan is doing things and the way a lot of the Asian countries are doing things, and that is keeping their distance, making sure everybody's safe, but letting people go about their business so they aren't they aren't going crazy, locked up, and they also aren't breaking down their resilience. Yep, so exactly. any, anyway, uh, we're doing a, a $1.3 million study testing the Wim Hof method, high-intensity aerial training, and yoga on and, and the, the Vegas response. So it's mm. a scientific study. It's almost complete. Wow. Okay. We're going to do a study where we're going to put some health. So we're, we're going to we're expanding our, our mission a little bit by being committed to not just doing research, but by providing exercise opportunities in mental health hospitals throughout the country. And we're also going to set up some studies with them so we can accurately uh, assess how effective exercise is with improving people's mental health. Now, why is it why is research and evidence based so essential? You know as well as I do. It's because yep. the medical community doesn't listen. And they all the research is done by who? The pharmaceutical companies. Yep. <laughs> Who's paying for it? The pharmaceutical companies. <laughs> and while I am as much a believer in the effectiveness of, of the right pharmaceutical for mental health, again, it is only like my dad said, that depends. It should not be the sole and the primary form of treatment for the majority of people. They say, you you know, I'm sure, that mental health is one of the biggest concerns of the results of the pandemic. They say there's a pair, they call it the parallel pandemic or the second pandemic, mental health pandemic. 
Yep. They say that 40% on any given year, 27% of the American population, and this is true throughout the world, I'm, I'm assuming that there's some international listeners here, 27% of the population of the world, uh, of the U.S., I'm not sure about the rest of the world, will suffer from a clinically diagnosed mental health illness at some point in time during the course of the year. I already have. I can't tell you how depressed I got for a very short period of time once all these rides started on top of the business. That just It was just too much. And I was a funk. I never got below a four, but I was definitely depressed, 100%. They say during the pandemic, it'll get up to 40%. Wow. I'm sure if you read about corporations, it's the biggest cause. Here's here's a shocker. Nobody knows this stuff. Do you know what the biggest uh, reason given for absenteeism in corporate America? Depression. You know, when somebody calls in sick, you ask them, why are you saying no? They don't say flus. They don't say depression. Right now, obviously, it's COVID, but that's because everybody's home. But I'm talking about when people call out sick. The biggest reason people are giving are depression. Do you know that in 2012, for the first time ever, there were more? And we were still in in conflict in the Middle East. There were more deaths in the military caused by suicide than by military deaths for the first time in the history of the U.S. military. And it's been that way ever since. Ever since 2012, there have been more suicides to military, active military, I'm talking, active military than military deaths. John, this is an epidemic beyond all proportion. It is not going to go away by wearing masks and people staying inside. I'm talking about the mental health pandemic. It's going to be worse and worse, and it's going to be with us, and nobody's talking about it. And they're talking about it. They're just saying, oh, yeah, well, we know it's happening. Like there was a storm that happened in the Pacific. It's it's going to happen in your family. It's going to happen in my family. You don't have to answer this, but here's a question for everybody listening. How many of you know somebody that was murdered? How many of you know somebody that committed suicide? And I bet you almost every one of us knows somebody pretty close to us that committed suicide. I know dozens Dozens. I also know nobody that was murdered. Yet nobody's talking about this. And again, suicide, you're down at the one. I mean, that's the zero. Yes, you, you need a lot more than healthy exercise and healthy lifestyle choices. But who knows? Six months previously or a year previously or five years previously, if we had got you on a program, a, a, a well-rounded program, I'm not talking about three times a week training at the gym and losing 15. I'm talking about a integrated healthy lifestyle where you're doing these types of things in the morning like what i'm doing and where you're getting in tune with yourself and you're keeping things in perspective who knows you might have been saved the one thing i keep and i'm a big if you haven't been able to tell you're lucky because i've been respectful of the time we have and i've kept my story short but usually i quote all these military examples people were bored with them but some people find them interesting and the most important thing is I do so (laughs) I recite them but the reason I'm such a big student of history is because it keeps things in perspective you you know the Spanish plague you got to read about it because it it keeps things in perspective and and you realize what other people had to go through and how they persevered and then you realize you can do it too you, you, you can do it, too. You can handle it. This seems bad, but very yep. and, and uh, it doesn't justify things. And it's not like, well, if it happened, then it's OK to happen now. But it keeps things in perspective. And you yep. realize the world didn't end then. 
and it won't end now. Yep. And, and, and so that, that, that's where the, the, what, I, what I was going to say was, we're all going to die. Yep. At the end of the day, we're all going to die. So, so don't, don't, you know, uh, look at the dark side of everything because at the end of the day, we all get to the same point. Enjoy life now while we have it. That's why I do these things every morning. Like I said, celebrate. You know what else we do every morning? Now, keep in mind how much I love my parents. I mean, you know, I've yep. short conversation. But I learned some things from my parents that I incorporated in my life that they didn't. And here's one of them. And this has helped change my life as well. My, when my father retired from the government, and he was really wasn't at the government at the time. He was working for the, uh, the uh, subway system in D.C., buying up all the real estate because he had been a Corps of Engineers guy with the military. So anyway, he retired from the government 30 years ago, the, the um, Washington Metropolitan Area Transit Authority. And he moved to Florida with my mom. She retired from teaching. She was my Spanish teacher. Thank you. Yep. Cheated through her class and got a B because that was horrible. But anyway, uh, and that's a true story. Anyway, uh, he bought a certificate for a one week cruise. And I said, Dad, when are you going to take mom on the cruise? And he said, when I had the time, Victor. And when he died six Years ago, and we opened this, we cleaned out his middle desk drawer. Guess what we found in that middle desk drawer? Uh, yep. The cruise. Now, because he never took the time. Now, remember what I said? He's German, hardworking guy. Boy, you'll never find a harder worker. Remember what I told you? He told me when we were struggling, we're just going to work a little harder. Sometimes yeah. it works too hard. Sometimes you miss life. That's one of the things uh, I learned from my dad keep a balance. So, anyway, Lynn and I. Drink a mimosa every morning for breakfast. You yeah. know why? When do you drink mimosas? When you're on vacation. Uh, every day is a vacation. Every day. Every day. This morning. And how about much? An inch full. Just a thimble full. Yeah. It says, it says to us, we're celebrating the day. Wow. This is the day that the Lord hath made, and I will rejoice and be glad in it. And it doesn't matter what kind of day it is. I, I, you know, old guys say funny things. And you, 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 ask, an, you ask an older guy, one of my friends, how you doing? And he'll say, well, I'm doing good. I woke up on the right side of the dirt. And you ask that same guy this morning. And you ask that same guy, or, or the same guy said to me, he goes, Victor, never complain about getting old beats the alternative. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The people that complain about getting old, it beats the alternative because we're all going to get old. And yeah. we're all going to pass. And you got to keep things in perspective and you got to enjoy life and you got to celebrate life and take advantage of every day. Think about how much time we wasted as kids, all of us. I'm sure you did too. Yes, for sure. Or doing knucklehead stuff. And there are some guys, yeah, you, you probably know people that at eight knew they were going to be a doctor or at 10 or 10 knew they had one and have a big business. I worked for seven years as a recreation director, potting around on the playground and teaching tennis and coaching basketball. But the funny thing was, I enjoyed every minute of it. And that was the point. Just enjoy life because at the end of the day, we all get to the same spot. Yeah. 
Absolutely amazing. Thank you so much for sharing. And I love the mimosa. It's just, you know, you talked about that thimble size, which is really just, you know, it's that celebration of life. And it's a reminder. And it's like really, when I, when I think about this, it's, you know, that's part of uh, the way that you approach, you get into that, that space where uh, the, the world feels right as you're starting a life's not perfect, uh, but you do these amazing things. You talked about the big five and you also talked about, um, you, know, you know, some of the other, other habits they have in terms of really kicking off your day. And so thank you so much for sharing. And, and I want to thank you and, and knowledge too, as well, just the tremendous work that you're doing with your foundation. Uh, and really what, what I'm hearing from you, you're building up this amazing evidence base. Uh, which uh, you put forward, you know, quite a few dollars for, you know, $1.3 million. You're building an amazing evidence base. And then you're applying the evidence base afterwards in uh, kind of, you know, locations and then collecting even further evidence. And so uh, absolutely amazing what you're doing there. Is there anything else that you'd want to share just related to the foundation? Yeah, yeah, I would. I'd just like to say that we're, we're not putting them in our locations. We are going to put them in mental health hospitals throughout the country and hopefully around the world. And to do that, even I, as successful as we are with our company, need help. And we would yeah. like people that would want to help either give us time or help with, with, with donations and with money to go to the John W. Brick Foundation dot org, John W. Brick Foundation dot org to find out you can help. If you need help, if you need, we're, we're developing a uh, protocols that you can implement, much like uh, AA, Alcoholics Anonymous has, things you can do if you feel yourself slipping, quote, off the wagon. We are developing the same thing. And, and remember, our, our, our mission is to fund and promote evidence-based research. So we have a ton of research and we will that we're putting on the website and we will summarize it. So you can find out, you can look up, let's say that you're uh, feeling uh, depressed. You can look up depression and it will be articles on what you can do to reverse depression. For most people, anxiety and depression and reduce stress, those would probably be the big three. But there, there are other topics on there as well. So you can go to the John W. Brick Foundation.org, one, to find out how you can help change the way the world treats mental health, help us with our mission to fund and promote research and to, to implement uh, the uh, fitness uh, or the healthy lifestyle choices in mental hospitals specifically and also in the culture in general. And at the same time, we hope you use it as a resource when you need help, you need assistance. We want to be thought of as the, the uh, definitive uh, resource for how to, how to deal with mental health. Absolutely amazing. And thank you so much. And it kind of ties into what you talked about earlier. We're on this continuum. Next day could change so quick, so incredibly quickly. And you'd never know what's around the corner. And to have these resources uh, you know, available and evidence-based, incredibly invaluable. Uh, where else can people find you, uh, Victor, uh, whether it's on LinkedIn or Facebook? Uh, there, are, there are other locations where people can find you. Yeah, you yeah you can find me on LinkedIn and Facebook. Uh, just under uh, on LinkedIn, you can find me. Uh, do they search for the foundation, or do they search for you individually? They, they they would search for me individually. Okay, perfect. Yeah, you, you look for me individually. Both you could you can find the the foundation on LinkedIn and Facebook, but you could also feel free to contact me individually on both. 
under my name, Victor Brick. Yep. Thank you so much. Uh, any parting words for the audience? Uh, you've been on this remarkable journey. You've had these, uh, you know, amazing kind of lows in your life, which, you know, in the moment, it was probably incredibly difficult to go through. You found this incredible warrior. You've had these amazing, uh, you know, kind of in terms of your values with your parents and then also, you know, mentors that you've, uh, you know, really surrounded yourself, uh, you know, with uh, any kind of words for the audience as people are, you know, as you talked about, you know, this parallel pandemic right now, as people start to you know, really think about instead of you know, getting caught up in the latest uh, headline, really understanding you know the history and where this is going, and this is not going away, really to help build that knowledge so that that they can actually start taking action. Do you have any parting words for the audience? Uh, when you ask a guy like me that, it's kind of dangerous because I, I have so many, so I'll try to keep them very few. The first uh, is we did in conjunction with the Deepak Chopra Never Alone Foundation, we did a 48-hour um, Zoomathon or web webinar, uh, a summit with 90 speakers, and we called it Never Alone. And I want everyone to know you're never alone. There are people that are willing to help you that you don't even know about. There are Victor Bricks of the world. There are John W. Brick Foundations of the world. There are the Deepak Chopra's of the world. There are foundations reach out. You're never alone. The other thing I will say is that uh, you would be amazed when you reach out to people that you don't know and don't think would ever take the time. How hard was it for you to get me, John? One phone call and I wanted yeah. to help because they're like me. They've, they've been in that dark place. They've, they've had no way to place to go and, and had the, 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 uh, prospect of living on the street and, and a woman takes them in and just says, pass it on child, just pass it on. And that's what they want to do. Remember I quoted John Wooden. Yep. Remember I told you I was a basketball coach. My kids were good basketball players, but my kid plays college basketball. I'm a college basketball coach. I call it one of my buddies. I say to him, um, you know, I want to meet John Wooden before he dies. Mm. And, uh, Terry Truax, my buddy, Terry calls up coach Wooden, ask him, coach Wooden says, have him call me. I call up Wooden. Coach Wooden invites us out. We fly out from Baltimore to Westwood. Me, my wife, my two kids, we spent the day with John Wooden. Wow. Why? Because he wanted to pass it on. Beautiful. I just gave you my LinkedIn and my Facebook connection. Why? Because I want to make a difference. I want to help you. I want to maybe, maybe prevent you. They say success comes from good judgment. Good judgment comes from experience. Experience comes from bad judgment. You need some experience from bad judgment, but maybe I can help you from losing that one million in the stock market because I'm telling you it almost killed me. Yeah. <laughs> and maybe I can, and that's what I want to do because others did it for me. So one, you are never alone. Two, if you'll be surprised if you reach out how many people will reciprocate. And I'm talking billionaires. I'm talking to CEOs. I'm talking major people. But you had better come with an open mind and an open heart. And if you're going to say, Victor, how can I make how can I become rich? I don't want any parts of you. Yep. But if you say, Victor, how can I how can I be a better person and how can I build a business that can make this world a little better place? I'm going to help you. And then the final thing I'm going to say is 
Mike, uh, like my parents were for me, just be a light. Whatever you do, be a light. Because at the end of the day, what's going to be your legacy? You got to ask yourself that. Absolutely beautiful. Victor, thank you for your leadership, your organizations, your speaking engagements, and all the happiness oxygen you bring to the world. And a tremendous thank you to all the listeners. As always, this has been your host, John Tuckums. You have made it to the end of the podcast. It's your host, John Tuckums. I want to take this moment to sincerely thank you. I'm incredibly grateful for the time you are taking to invest in your life. And if you gain something valuable from this episode and want to give me value somehow, I would tremendously appreciate it if you went to Apple Podcasts, iTunes. If you have an Apple product where you listen to this podcast and leave this show a review, you are free to send me a message or email. Contact information is in the description below. Thank you again for listening and thank you for your contributions in helping billions of people to find their happiness oxygen.